Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Leftists do not value life. You can see it in their attitude toward abortion. They believe life begins in the delivery room and that the pursuit of happiness is contingent on a woman's alleged constitutional right to destroy an unwanted baby in the womb. Stacey Abrams, the Georgia gubernatorial candidate and darling of the left, recently addressed a crowd of concert goers in Atlanta. She expressed a single message, my body, my choice. The slogan is the Democrats version of Patrick Henry's 1775, give me liberty, or give me death speech that compelled Virginia to join the Revolutionary War. Kill my baby or kill Donald Trump is the rallying cry of progressives. It encapsulates their worldview, defines their motivation, and explains the nihilism ruining the country. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host, your invigorated, happy host of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. It is Thursday. We're one day away from the weekend being here. I feel refreshed. I feel awesome. We took yesterday off. I got up this morning, crushed it, absolutely crushed it uh, in my workout uh, this morning. Uh, went like 35 minutes really hard on my Stairmaster. And you know why I feel so awesome? Because I've been taking care of myself. Because I've been exercising, I've been eating good. I, you saw us uh, earlier this week at the cookout, filling myself with Good Ranchers meat. It's October, Halloween is just around the corner. You don't gotta be trick or treated. You can just be treated and treated. If you shop with Good Ranchers, you know where the meat comes from. You don't have to go get that store-bought meat with the Made in the USA costume on it. You can get the real deal from Good Ranchers. Recently, 44 tons of store meat was recalled for Listeria. So check all of your meat to keep your family safe. You know who doesn't have imported bacteria-infested meat, though? Good Ranchers. They deliver America's best meat and seafood to you year round, right to your door. Right now they're throwing a huge October feast where you can get over four pounds of meat for free. That's two pounds of their Wagyu ground beef and two and a half pounds of their better than organic chicken for free with any purchase of one of their bundle boxes. To sweeten this deal even more, you'll get an extra, an extra two pounds of American Wagyu ground beef with orders over $300 in value Treat yourself this Halloween and head on over to GoodRanchers.com fearless to claim your special October feast offer today. Good Ranchers lets you save $25 on every box and locks in your price when you subscribe. Put it in to that old terrifying mystery meat at store at grocery stores. 
Go to GoodRanches.com fearless to get over four free pounds of high-quality beef and chicken. The real monster isn't in your closet. It's in your local grocery store. Take control over your food with an October feast from Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Uh, we're going to start today's show uh, with Steve Kim. We're going to talk some football, talk some sports with Steve Kim. We'll transition at some point to Royce White, and we'll talk about a topic I talked about last night with Jesse Waters on his television show on Fox News. I talked about the abortion issue and how that mindset poisons everything. Uh, and then we'll end the show talking to Virgil Walker. So fantastic show uh, planned for you today. Uh, we want to roll out to Los Angeles, though, and bring in our man, Steve Kim. We want to start the show talking a little football. There's a damn good uh, NFL game on tonight on Amazon, Thursday Night Football, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Baltimore Ravens. Steve, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Ray Lewis... Hmm. interviewed uh, Lamar Jackson on Inside the NFL. And I thought uh, Lamar perhaps gave some clues on where his contract negotiations may be headed. Unintentional clues, but let's watch this exchange between Ray Lewis, one of the greatest Baltimore Ravens, the greatest Baltimore Raven of all time, uh, with Lamar Jackson, the quarterback of the Ravens. I already said it, you know, when I got drafted, I want to bring Super Bowls to the Baltimore. So I'm going to try to bring as much as I can. So you want to help the community by bringing want, another Super Bowl? I want to bring Super Bowls here. Wow. I want to be the Brady. I want to be the Brady of, you know, bring multiple if I could. Oh, you can be me. I brought multiple too. You too. Don't but you play. know, he played quarterback. So that's why I'm saying Tom Brady. Don't play. <laughs> so that's Ray having a little fun with uh, Lamar Jackson saying, hey, man, you don't have to be Brady, you can be me. But, Steve, I'm wondering, by Lamar Jackson's comments of wanting to be Tom Brady, prioritizing bringing Super Bowls, is that an indication that Lamar might be pivoting a little bit contract-wise and may be willing to accept a little less money in order to build the kind of team that can win multiple Super Bowls? Well, Jason, that... That depends. Does, does, does he realize that in theory what he's saying is great, but in reality that means do you want to be the richest quarterback or the winningest? Because the way the salary cap is set up in the National Football League, you really can't be both. There's always a window of time when a quarterback hits on that first contract that you could spread out the money and you can create real depth. Now, does he have an agent, which he does not, so I guess I'm going to ask the mother, do you want your son to be the richest quarterback in the history of the National Football League or one of the winningest? Because I don't believe those two things can exist. Uh, I do wonder, does he have an inner circle that's going to explain to him the dynamics of this? Uh, I found it interesting. But again, when these players talk about money or their negotiations, the one underlying thing they always try to get across is, well, <laughs> it's not about the money. Excuse me. It's always about the money. Double negative alert. It's never not about the money. And that is what has separated Tom Brady. No matter what version of Tom Brady exists today, I will give him that. He sacrificed a little bit monetarily to become the greatest winner in the history of the National Football League. So that is the question for Lamar Jackson. Do you want to be the richest quarterback or among the winningest? Because you really can't have both. Well, I think Tom Brady, over the long haul, keep in mind, the guy's already got a TV deal that's going to pay him $30, 40000000 million a year at Fox Sports 
to call football games, and that's because he's the winningest quarterback in, in football history. So I think over the course of Tom Brady's earning career, as it relates to football, not just on the field, but off the field, he will end up the richest football player. Well, that's, hmm, that's interesting. That's if, again, that has a lot to do with the media in terms of does Lamar Jackson have a future as a color commentator? Uh, look, are there ancillary benefits to being a quarterback that wins? Yes. And then I would also go here. Is there even more ancillary benefits in being the winningest and best black quarterback in this generation? Absolutely. I mean, you could really parlay that. No one wants to say it, but we're fearless. We're going to say it here. If Lamar Jackson puts up a couple of Lombardi trophies in his mantle, he could be Allen Iverson on steroids. Remember when Allen Iverson had the street cred, which was obviously so much, but he got a lot of endorsements out of it. He's still iconic to this day, will always be legendary. But there was one thing that was missing. Allen, unfortunately, never won. Never won the big title. He went to one NBA Finals, and the rest of his career was really about having great stats, flashy highlights, but it wasn't about winning. Lamar Jackson, who already has an MVP and has won a lot, can add a Super Bowl or two. We are talking about him literally uh, going up and doing the Brinks robbery year after year for the rest of his life. So... We're not that this show's airing hour, hour and a half before kickoff of a very important game. I think for both teams and for both yeah. quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson, what do you think happens here tonight? Which quarterback plays the best and who wins the game? Uh, that's a tough one. I'm not Kreskin, but I will say this. It feels like a must-win more for the Tampa Bay Bucks because that thing seems to be, if not spiraling, it seems to be descending. But keep this in mind, they are in a very weak division. I looked at the standings, and I'm like, that is a den of mediocrity. Baltimore, I think, is going to be okay regardless, but here's an issue. Um, get your shovels out because you know how we buried Joe Burrow into the ground? Uh, dig that grave up. The Bengals are coming on, and I think they are ready to make a run. Joe Burrow looks like Joe Burrow again, getting the ball off on time, and the Bengals look really good. This game is in Tampa. It's a must-win game for Tampa more than Baltimore. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers tonight. It's a, it's a road game, and to be honest with you, Baltimore the last month has not been that good. I watched a good deal of that game with the Browns. If the Browns don't turn the ball over on the Calais Campbell strip sack fumble, I don't know if they win that game. I found that to be fascinating as it relates to Lamar Jackson because his statistical line was interesting. You brought this up a couple of days ago, Jason. He was 9 for 16 passing. But here's the thing that was fascinating. He had 10 rushing attempts for 59 yards, which means he had more rushing attempts than completions. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm going to give a half billion dollars to that quarterback that does that? Uh, I mean, I watched that game, and there are too many plays or some plays where he drops back, he gets a clean pocket, and all of a sudden it becomes one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and then by 10 Mississippi, he's still holding the ball, and it becomes be Superman. And again, this is a common theme on our show with Coach Jason Brown and myself. 
that is not sustainable. That does not look right. It, it, it is not long-term success. And this is a passing quarterback league. Something there just does not look right, Jason. I'm going to say that the Buccaneers remain in a rut. I think mm. their problems are, are not fixable uh, this season. I think they're going to have a bad season. I think Baltimore and Lamar figure out a way to get it done tonight. And we're back tomorrow talking about the slide of the Bucks, and people are back speculating, should he retire immediately? You got T.J. Moe. I saw some story. Someone wrote a story about T.J. Moe saying Brady needs to retire right now and go save his marriage. I think we're going to be talking about that uh, again tomorrow. Uh, Steve, I want to ask you one other game-related deal, and, and it's, it's I don't know what to make of this, but there was an issue with Mike Evans and NFL officials after their game last last week where it appeared like a ref was trying to get his autograph post-game. They've come out, the NFL investigated, says the guy was just getting his phone number or uh, because he, they're both Texas A&M grads and he was telling him how to connect with someone uh, on some golfing advice, which seems you know, they just lose a tough game and a ref's trying to <laughs> help Mike Evans with his with his golfing deal. I, I don't know what to make of it. What do you think? Well, just the way he scribbled it, unless that number is 911, I mean, that's the quickest phone number. And by the way, who knows their own phone, no, phone number anymore? I, I don't even know my phone number. I just push in Steve Kim and I just send it off. That, that phone number obviously isn't Tommy Two Tones, 8675309, as I show my age again with that <laughs> reference. It looks shady. I'll be honest because I've broken that thing down like the Zupruder film. Phone numbers, and I'm assuming they live in different area codes, right? So that means you got to write three numbers for the area code, three numbers for the first prefix, then four numbers. Let, let's, if you rewind that, there's almost no way. You can't even type out a number that fast, and he just scribbles it out. Really? Really? That looks like one of those autographs where you just kind of put in a scribble or an X, and you say, here you go, kid. I, that's a bad look. In my view, players and referees should be separated right after the game. Uh, just just the situations like that, and more than ever with some of these questionable calls, people are questioning the integrity of the officiating and the referees because you could sway this thing so much. There's also more and more a gambling influence that the National Football League is accepting. Again, let's try to at least give the perception that this thing is clean and there's a separation of church, state, and referees. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it's just... It's just baffling. And particularly if a ref's an A&M grad, he's a ref in the NFL, mm. seems like it wouldn't be that hard for him to get Mike Evans' phone number or to get a message to Mike Evans in some sort of way other than doing it immediately after the game. It's just, it's just not a good look. Uh, and, and you're right, so many things appear suspicious in NFL games, these pass interference calls, these illegal contact calls. The, the league needs to pass some rule that this never happens again. You guys need to exchange phone numbers, do it over Tinder, do it over Instagram DMs, do it someplace else, uh, not on the field immediately after the game. Hold for one second, Steve. Uh, I want to get to uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, but uh, before I do that, because the Lakers are 0-4, before I do that, 
Uh, guys, I want to talk to you about uh, my favorite uh, friends at Preborn. One out of every five Americans never have a chance to live outside the womb because of abortion. It's the leading cause of infant death in the world. Over 63 million babies have been aborted just since Roe v. Wade was enacted, and a lot more will be aborted in its wake. The Ministry of Preborn and us at The Blaze, we've partnered to save 50,000 babies' lives uh, in 2022. Preborn has already saved nearly 200,000 babies' lives. They've counseled more than a half million women. They've had incredible success. When a woman, an expecting mother, is given an ultrasound, she discovers that baby's heartbeat, she sees that baby, 80% of the time, she chooses life. If she was thinking about abortion, she chooses life. Preborn provides women with ultrasounds free of charge. Preborn comes in after the woman chooses life, provides all the support, the diapers, the, the baby clothes, the, 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 the child care, everything the woman needs to get through the pregnancy. And then after the pregnancy, Preborn comes in and provides that free of charge, and they do it free of charge because guys like you, gals like you, people like me, we get on preborn.com slash fearless or just preborn.com, but please use slash fearless, uh, and we give up money. Just takes $28 to save a baby's life. You can save five babies with a $140 donation. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to give up your child's college tuition to help save a baby's life. Donation as small as 20, even if it's not $28, $10. Give a third of what it costs to give one ultrasound. Any amount is the proper amount. We just need to be supporting preborn because they're saving babies' lives, and that is important for this society and for those of us in the Fearless Army. We got to do these little things to make a difference in this world. I'm asking you, preborn.com slash fearless or pound 250, say the keyword baby, you can give up your money there while you're there. Particularly if you go to preborn.com, they asked you where you heard about preborn, what made you uh, give up the cash. Please credit this show. Uh, I, I'm, I gotta be, I'm selfish, I want credit for inspiring you and the people in this army uh, to supporting preborn, it makes me feel good. It's one of the greatest feelings in the world. It gives this show purpose when we're doing and accomplishing things and saving babies' lives. Preborn.com slash fearless. Cough up that money, be a good fearless soldier. Just, you'll, trust me, you'll feel better about yourself. I do every time I give. You've seen me give on the show. I'll do it again if I have to. Or I'll do it again because I want to. But anyway, I'm just trying to, I don't want you to do anything that I'm not willing to do. So anyway, there it is, preborn. All right, Steve, uh, come back. I want to do an approval rating on Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith is involved with your Los Angeles Lakers, uh, Steve. I don't know if you saw this. The Lakers have some kind of genius series where they brought in Nas and other people to come speak to the team. Uh, and so they brought in Will Smith. And we haven't seen Will Smith on the public stage in quite some time. Uh, they brought in Will Smith to inspire the team. 
uh, and Will went on social media, huge, oh no, no, the Lakers went on social media, huge thank you to Will Smith who joined the team to discuss strength through togetherness and practicing gratitude in times of great challenge, all themes in, the, in his forthcoming masterpiece film, Emancipation, uh, Will Smith inspiring the Lakers uh, to an 11 point loss uh, to the Denver uh, <laughs> Nuggets last night. The Lakers are 0 and 4. Uh, they brought in Will Smith to give the pregame chat to the team. Uh, I, w I want two separate thoughts, but we're going to talk about Will Smith and his approval rating. Uh, Lakers are 0 and 4. They've scraped in the bottom of the barrel Will Smith uh, for pregame inspiration. How can Will Smith, the controversy he's involved in, how can he inspire confidence, anything? Uh, so we'll start with uh, job performance, Will Smith. He made a mess of his career with the Chris Rock deal. Uh, he's an 11, I think, in job performance. Used to be a 25, biggest star in Hollywood. He's now an 11, and that's who the Lakers bring in? to rally the troops from an 0-3 start? Will Smith makes no sense to me. Well, if we ever see Pat Beverly slap Russell Westbrook, I, I, I know where we're going to blame. I, I, know where, I know where that came from. I, I know where, the, uh, where that emanated from. I gave him a 10. I, I guess he's still an A-lister. Um, I thought it was interesting. When I saw that on social media, I'm like, good Lord, this has Jeannie Buss written all over it. And, and be honest with you, you know, for years, Jeannie Buss got a lot of credit because she was female. She was protected in the media. And, and, and because she wasn't Johnny Buss, everyone thought Johnny Buss was Fredo. It turns out there are two Fredos. She's the female Fredo. And, and I mean, this is such a cheap uh, publicity stunt. I'm just telling you, Jason, I'm still out here in L.A. I've never felt this much antipathy towards the Lakers. And there have been some bad years, uh, the, the couple of seasons after Magic right before Nick Van Exel created the Lake Show and the last three, four miserable years of Kobe Bryant, we, they were our Lakers. Right now, if we were a fan base with the Lakers and this was a marriage, we'd be sleeping in separate beds. And right now, we're going to the Motel Hotel Holiday 6. This, this thing just feels over for us and the city and the Lakers. So uh, let's move to character because this is why I, I don't get it. Will Smith has been emasculated by his wife, makes a fool of himself at the Oscars and slaps Chris Rock. I don't think his character could be any lower uh, than right now from a high of like, he was a high character individual to now he's you know seen as like, wow, there's some character issues with Will Smith. I I'm just trying to think of who else they could have brought in, like, okay, we need an emasculated man to come in and inspire our team. Rachel Levine's not available. The Biden administration won't let him out. Uh, let's get Will Smith. That's the only thing I can think of. I give Will Smith the 12 in character. I, I, I just, to rally this team, you've already got a nutcase in Russell Westbrook. Do you, do you need, is Will Smith going to help Russell Westbrook rally? I, I just don't see it. Yeah, you know, I went a little higher than you. I've always liked Will prior to the last couple of years. I, I just love the fact he was a rapper from Philadelphia who didn't try to front. He didn't try to act like he was Schooly D. He's just a suburban kid. He's doing fun songs like Parents Don't Understand, my DJ Jazzy Jeff. It was kind of like bubblegum rap. 
And, and look, he did a great sitcom. That was an iconic show they did on NBC, right? So I think the residue of that still uh, um, kind of resonates with me. I gave him a 15, even with all the mm. entanglements. <laughs> he does have some entanglements. Yeah. Authenticity. Uh, do you think? Do you think of Will Smith as authentic? Uh, mm. Not nearly as authentic as I used to. Uh, this guy looks like he's trapped in an identity crisis, and the Jada Pinkett Smith has completely uh, destroyed his image of himself. So I gave him a ten in authenticity. Jay, I gave him a flat-out zero. I, that marriage has ruined him. It has sucked the energy out of him. Um, I think Russell Wilson uh, is going through the exact same thing. In, in my view, when these celebrities marry other celebrities, historically, those things have not worked out well, and it's almost like this weird cult that they get into. So, again, I, I have to give Russell – excuse me, I have to give Will Smith a zero. I don't know who this guy is anymore. Mm. Uh, it factor, and, and I think, you know, obviously he used to have the highest big deal, Will Smith, great TV shows, Men in Black movies, uh, what, just crushed it in – King Richard won an Oscar for it and then ruined his Oscar moment. I, I think the Genie Bus and the Lakers were trying to do Will a solid and hey, let's bring let's treat him like nothing's happened and everything's normal and let's bring him in as part of our genius series. He still got that it factor. She's sadly mistaken. It's just not the same. It just looks the it, the Lakers are losers right now, and it looks like they brought in a loser to rally the troops. I gave Will a 14 in it factor. Yeah, uh, the, the Emancipation, that's another slavery movie, right? Yeah, right? yeah, just oh, yeah, what we what America, all needed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what all of America was just dying for. You know what we need? You know what we don't have enough of? Slavery movies. Let, let's just do it, because that hasn't been worked over to death the last, I don't know, decade. Oh, give me a break. That thing's going to fall flat. I think there's a fatigue, this whole notion that it's going to change anything. I gave him a 10, and I feel as though I'm being very generous with that. You know, there's a shortage of slavery movies, and I think there's a shortage of TV characters and, and movies that are built around uh, gay relationships. No, no one has seen yeah. any of that in the last five to six years. And so I expect Emancipation to do just as well as Bros did. Yeah, uh, well, Bros was a big... <laughs> Jason, Emancipation, uh, this is going to be ironic. I'm going to free myself from having to watch that. I'll pass on that one, okay? <laughs> All right, uh, you have Will Smith as a dumpster fire, which is probably mm. more appropriate than my 47 at Candlelit. I probably still got a little bit of a soft spot uh, for Will Smith, but... Uh, Steve, great job as always. Uh, your Lakers are 0-4 and headed to 0-5, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, good luck with that. Thank you. Uh, as I mentioned to you all at the top of this show, I feel awesome today. I, I, I crushed my workout this morning. Crushed it. You know part of the reason why I feel awesome? Because of my friends at Instaflex. Uh, if you're like me and you've dealt with soreness in your joints, so you know what it's like to walk around with sore knees or elbows, just wishing the pain would go away, well, maybe you don't have to wish anymore. 
Instaflex Advance targets the root cause of joint discomfort with just one little pill per day. Again, I don't want, I don't, you guys don't do anything that I don't do. I want you to take some Instaflex because it's part of the reason my fat old butt has been able to work out as hard as I have been. It's helped me lose weight because it's helped me stay in my workout routine. It's a combination of five key ingredients that, that they found are in no other product in the world. It restores flexibility and mobility to your knees. I do the Stairmasters virtually every day. People are like, how can you do the Stairmasters? Doesn't that kill your knees? Not mine. All you have to do is take one tiny pill a day. You can have better knees in just a week. Now get a complimentary two-week sample of Instaflex Advance when you text FEARLESS to 42424. That's 42424. Plus get a free gift of Instaflex Advance pain cream with its exclusive oxygenated oil for fast-acting relief from the pain of arthritis, back aches, and sore muscles. I got all that, absolutely free. Text now and receive a complimentary two-week supply of Instaflex Advanced joint support for men and women with five key, five key ingredients to help you turn back the clock. Text FEARLESS to 42424. That's FEARLESS, 42424. All right, you can email me and us at feedback, oh no, I'm sorry, at fearlessblazeshow at gmail. You can email me your feedback at fearlessblazeshow at gmail. Don't go anywhere. I'm gonna tell you how to pay your mortgage. Time for my pay your mortgage picks. Big fella went two and one last week. I believe that now means that I am four, four and one for the season. Four, four and one, about to get on the plus side, on the winning side uh, of this whole deal with three awesome picks uh, this week. Uh, brought to you by BetDSI. Uh, the Dolphins uh, is game number one. Uh, the Dolphins favored uh, by three and a half points uh, playing at the, at the uh, Detroit Lions. The Lions are the worst team in football. Trust me, they're the worst team in football. And I used to love betting on the Lions. They stink now without Matt Stafford. They're not worth betting on. Dan Campbell is a lovable idiot. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are going to run wild this weekend. You're going to catch everything Tua throws up. Uh, pay your mortgage. Miami wins by 10 points. Game number two, Titans. I'm going to call them my Tennessee Titans because I live here in Nashville and I've been riding the Titans the last four weeks. Uh, the Titans minus two and a half at the Houston Texans. Titans on a roll. They won four straight. They got off to an 0-2 start. Now Mike Vrabel has this team playing at a high level. Uh, Houston is already starting to contemplate its draft position, as they should. They're a tanking team. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, very good quarterback in bad games against bad opponents. I love Ryan Tannehill as a favorite. Pay your mortgage. 
Tennessee wins by a touchdown. They cover the two and a half points very easily. Uh, and then finally, my last pay your mortgage picks, Giants plus three at the Seahawks. All right, I gotta admit it. I'm late to the Giants parade bandwagon, but I'm done, doubt, I'm done doubting the Giants. They're six and one for a reason. I'm always going to doubt Geno Smith as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Sorry, I don't care what Geno does in Seattle. I'm gonna have my doubts. Saquon Barkley is gonna have a huge day, a big day. Pay your mortgage, Giants kick a field goal to win late. Those are my pay your mortgage picks. Uh, go to blazetv.com slash fearless. Use the promo code fearless and you can save $10 on your yearly subscription. All right, don't go anywhere. My fire starter in Royce White. Hurts. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back. Uh, let's get this fire started. You will never convince me that the people who don't value the life developing inside a woman's womb know what's best for us outside of it. The chaos, anarchy, and lawlessness overtaking America's major cities are rooted in the pro-abortion mindset of progressives. I tried to unpack this idea Wednesday night on Jesse Waters' Fox News program. Waters played a series of news clips highlighting the Lord of the Flies behavior that seems commonplace in cities long controlled by Democrat politicians. He asked me for an explanation. Take a look. Now, Jason, you understand, I'm sure you're a parent, no means no. And we have to learn how to say that again in the United States. Jesse, you've made a bad assumption. I'm not a parent. <laughs> Wish that I was, but that I'm not. Uh, but listen, I, I'm going <laughs> that is true. Uh, listen, I, I'm going to connect it to something bigger and, and a, probably a bit more serious than maybe what you were looking for. But listen, if you don't care about life inside the womb, you'll never convince me that you care about life outside the womb. It starts on the inside. You talk to any doctor, talk to any psychologist, the things you do for a child inside the womb matter. And so the whole Democratic platform right now seems to be about abortion. They're pro-abortion. Stacey Abrams goes to some event with Lizzo and Lotto and she gets up on stage, and, my body, my choice. Uh, and it's, it's all about abortion. The party is about abortion. It's about killing babies in the womb. They don't care about life inside the womb. You'll never convince me they care about life outside the womb. That's why they can look at all this decay in their cities and just kind of nod their head and think, there's nothing we can do about it. This is normal. They don't care about life. If you don't care at the beginning, you never catch up. That's the Democrat problem. 
Here you go, abortion. That explains Democrats. Leftists do not, do not value life. You can see it in their attitude toward abortion. They believe life begins in the delivery room and that the pursuit of happiness is contingent on a woman's alleged constitutional right to destroy an unwanted baby in the womb. Stacey Abrams, as you heard me reference, the Georgia gubernatorial candidate and darling of the left, recently addressed a crowd of concert goers in Atlanta. She expressed a single message, my body, my choice. Look for yourself. Look, I, I'm not gonna interrupt your fun. I just wanna remind you that you believe it's my body and my choice. I need your vote. crowd and all she's got to scream is my body my choice and hold up a sign about abortion are you kidding me the slogan for the democrats this is the slogan this is the democrats version of patrick henry's 1775 give me liberty or give me death speech that compelled virginia to join the revolutionary war democrats their slogan kill my baby or kill donald trump that's the rallying cry of progressive it encapsulates their worldview, defines their motivation, and explains the nihilism ruining the country. Before I go further, I don't wanna be one-sided, let's take a look at the other side of the argument. Progressives argue that political conservatives do not value life outside the womb. Democrats point to Republicans' opposition to universal health care, minimum wage hikes, and other government-assisted initiatives as proof the pro-life movement reeks of hypocrisy and fraudulence. Progressives wonder, how can you be pro-life if you're against government programs that assist the living? Fair question. Here's the fair answer. Anything that makes man more reliant on the government and less self-sufficient does not support life. It cripples it. It creates dependency which underscores my contention that the people who don't support life inside the womb know very little about supporting life outside of it. Preparation fuels life. Caring for a human being begins before conception. Doctors advise women to stop drinking, stop smoking before pregnancy, to take 400 micrograms of folic acid daily, to, to avoid toxic substances, to exercise and maintain a healthy weight. Once pregnant, doctors advise parents to read and sing to the baby, to rub the mother's belly, to, to avoid stress, to eat a healthy diet, to exercise and to stop drinking and smoking. Before and during pregnancy, doctors advise parents to treat the baby like a human being, not a fetus, not a clump of cells, not a collection of underdeveloped bones that can be easily dismembered. The quality of a human being's life can be greatly influenced before conception and certainly during pregnancy. Here's the proper worldview and slogan for a successful society. Our bodies, our baby, our responsibility. The word our, O-U-R, represents mama and daddy. 
My Body, My Choice is a death cult that leads to dystopia. Life begins long before the delivery room. The people who reject this support policies that lead to the destruction of family. They prioritize government assistance ahead of natural marriage. They hand responsibilities meant for a married man and woman to the government. The centering of abortion as a fundamental human right undergirds the irresponsibility and moral decay sweeping American culture. Killing babies in the womb kills the necessity of marriage. Major cities are violent and lawless cesspools because violence and lawlessness rule in the absence of family. Redlining, the bombing of a Tulsa business district 100 years ago, and the war on drugs did 1,000 times less damage to urban black communities than Democrats mainstreaming the idea that abortion is liberating and being a Democrat is synonymous with blackness. Not a coincidence that murder plagues the neighborhoods of the voting demographic most loyal to the political party that sees abortion as a human right. Killing a baby in the womb precursored drive-by shootings. When life in the womb is defined as a disposable burden, we should not be surprised when those same people see life outside the womb as disposable. Democrats mask their indifference to black death in dystopian communities with Black Lives Matter t-shirts, yard signs, and hashtags. They shower empathy on a handful of black criminal suspects and pay Stacey Abrams to convince black women to kill their babies. We're supposed to take life advice from the people advocating for our death? This goes well beyond race. Democrats mask their indifference to life with concern over climate change. Their solution to every problem is a reduction in humankind. They spend more time and energy garnering sympathy for violent criminals than innocent babies. The importance of abortion to Democrats reveals their cluelessness about life. Mm, that's my fire. I, I have to admit, I'm very transparent here, that fire has been building in me ever since our, our next guest, Royce White, helped me to understand, gave me the epiphany of just like the abortion issue is central to a worldview that destroys and plunders everything in its path. That if you don't value life in the womb, if your mindset doesn't value life in the womb, you're, it's gonna corrupt how you value life outside the womb. Royce, Royce I, I gotta give you credit. You said this to me on this show months ago, and it like, my head exploded and I've been thinking about it and marinating on that brilliant point that you made for a long time. So I, I just want to thank you for that. And, and I hope uh, that I've done your argument justice today. Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I just sat back and wondered, what am I going to be able to say when I when I join the segment in this in this part here? <laughs> um, you know, the, the one thing I will say is for our audience, and for all of these people, because, you know, I think a lot of Democrats and a lot of black people, a lot of liberals, a lot of people in our modern society just have lost 
the way to think, the way to critically think. So, you know, and then I just thought about that this morning and, and what more could I even say about abortion? OK, let's take the faith out of it for a second, just for a moment. Let's take the Christian piece out of it, because my Christian values um, are well known and, and those are going to guide me first and foremost. And, and as a Christian, the, the, the ruling on abortion is very clear. Out. Abortion's out. Um, but let's just set that aside for all of our libertarian and, and, and secular citizens. And if, if I set the Christian piece aside, I, I have to first ask myself, what is a government supposed to be? What is a government supposed to do? Um, what should the state um, or, or just say, should the state uh, govern from a set of morals, ethics and values? And if you accept that the state, any state, uh, luckily we have a constitution here, but but any state should govern from a set of morals, eth- morals, eth- ethics and values then we have to say, what should a government incentivize or disincentivize with its policies, with its governance? Okay, and let's just throw sanctity of life out there. Why? Because despite our anti-Constitution sentiment that's grown in mainstream media, it was the Constitution that set the, the slaves free. Okay, the, every person who makes an argument for human rights or slavery or, or, or against slavery or against America's founding uh, founding makes the argument from a set of ideas and ethics laid out in the same constitution they want to get rid of. Okay. Now the problem with our constitution, even today, although I believe in it wholeheartedly, the problem is that many of the words in it are ambiguous. If you take away a Judeo Christian framework to interpret them, one of them being Liberty. Okay. Liberty, which was put in our, Constitution, you could say, from a post-Renaissance Enlightenment era in Europe, where liberalism started, um, sees, you know, there's a lot of ways you can interpret liberty, individual liberty. Where does my liberty start and where does your liberty end? Now, for many of us, the basic idea is, well, a human child in the womb is a child and they have a liberty that must be protected and, and given rights to as well. And the counter argument is, well, a, a woman has a right to decide whether or not she lives or dies in, in, in the process of giving birth to a child or carrying a child. OK. Fine. Um, um, OK. The the main question is, should the government subsidize. A loss of sanctity of life, and if a government subsidizes the loss of sanctity of life, what implications are there across the spectrum of governance? And it becomes very clear that a child in the womb is the most vulnerable amongst us. And if there is no government protection for the least amongst us, then there can be no protection for all for any of us, which then, you know, rolls into the, the, the central point I want to make. And I've said it before on the show that Roe v. Wade was the predicate for the military industrial complex to be as, you know, inhumane with their killing all around the world. I mean, you know, it was one thing to shoot each other with muskets uh, at Gettysburg in pursuit of a North versus South uh, Union versus Confederacy. It's another thing to sit in a room remotely and tap a button and kill a million Iraqis. Now, I'm not saying a million Iraqis were killed by drone strike, but what I am saying is just the entire modality of war and death has moved towards a technological view of life. And the same liberals who say they want to protect human rights don't seem to have a problem with that techno that that technocratic view of life. So it's a scam in the outset. It's just a scam from the beginning. They don't view life as life. 
So don't talk about human rights at all. I don't want to hear it. I'm not holding any quarter for any people who say that a human child is not a human child uh, at all to talk about human rights. You just don't have the right to. Love that point. I'm going to chop it down to my size uh, because, you know, it takes me a while a lot of times to catch up with you, Royce. I don't have a problem admitting that. Uh, I'm going to chop it down to my size and and, because your point about killing people with drones and from a safe distance and it's just like it's a button you push. There's no human. Totally get it. But I also understand it on this level. And you correct me if I'm wrong. The the abortion is central to you don't need a marriage. You don't need man and woman. You you don't need family, Uh, you know, because these responsibilities of a child get in the way of your happiness, your pursuit of your truth and the pleasing of your feelings or whatever. And so I, I see the whole abortion issue as central to the destruction of the nuclear family. And once you destroy the family, when I, whenever I see these clips and they're very popular over social media, people are in denial about them, but large urban areas, you will see videos over social media almost daily of black kids in major cities doing unruly, violent, uh, looting, beating up, torturing, whatever. Videos are out every day. And every time I don't think of skin color, I think these kids got no fathers. And this you destroy the family, you're going to create the kind of chaos that we're seeing in these major cities. That's the common denominator, the destruction of family and abortion is central to destroying the family. No, no doubt. No doubt that the sanctity of life, the loss of sanctity of life and abortion is a predicate for an entire obscured view towards family, towards your own humanity, your own individual humanity, which is why many people who practice the tenets of leftist liberal ideology become very discontent in their life and often split their differential and, you know, meet psychological crisis, you know, as well as spiritual. So, yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. But I also want to caution that an an individual, some individuals do and individuals can come through a family life that is torn and broken with God and still be American uh, uh, productive and good American citizens. And, and in, I, I don't want to create any caveat for my young black men out there that came through tough and broken homes because there was an anti-family court that came under the same school of leftist, leftist liberal ideology that meant to destroy the family alongside of abortion. But I don't want to hold any quarter for our young black men to keep shooting each other in the street and say, well, I had a tough life at home. You know, J.R. Smith said this to me yesterday online when, when we got in a little back and forth about about the black community and the right or the the uh, the um, let's say the expectation of a black man to critique another black man in the public square and why somebody should or shouldn't. And the argument that's always made and is made against you as well is that any black man who has any criticism for another black man in front of the public or really white people um, is is undermining the 400 year struggle of black people in America. And my point to J.R. Smith was, no, it doesn't matter what you came through. It doesn't matter what anyone came through. Tell the truth. 
you as an individual, you tell the truth. If you tell the truth or if your money or your opportunity stop you from telling the truth, you're a sellout by definition. Um, and, and, and we had that back and forth. But I say that to say that the, the common prevailing idea in America and black communities for many people in black communities, not all, but for many, especially the ones who get involved in, cr- in crime, is that, hey, I had it tough. So that's my justification to be a criminal. And there is some there is some merit to that, because what I've also said on the show is that when your government steals, everybody's stealing. This was the idea of the American mafia. The American mafia said, hey, if you guys are going to rig the game, then we're not going to play by your rules at all. And there's a part of me that respects that. And I understand it. I understand the, the, the line of thought. But those people have lost their way with God. They see this world and the result of this world as the final destination. And that's a problem. It's a problem spiritually, but it's also a problem practically. And it, that obscures your vision. And J.R. Smith and many people like him, these woke athletes, these people who vote Democrat, these women who are pro-abortion, what they fail to see is the big picture. And the big picture is that liberalism, communism, and globalism all have the same exact aim, the same end goal. We've been lied to. We've been lied to into thinking that liberalism was this great break from the monarchy and globalism and imperialism. It wasn't. It was just a rebrand. Okay, the, and, and what both what all three aim to do is simple. The removal of God from the organization of man. When you can remove God from the organization of man, then the government becomes the highest rule. And then often man's individual individual corruption takes hold and you have chaos. And that's what we have in our streets. That's what we have in our communities. That's what we have in our hearts. We have chaos. America is a nation of chaos and we lead the world. You left out one of the isms. Feminism is is another key component of that, and and th- that's and and their objection to a godly ordered society is yeah. is again because the Bible's crystal clear. This world is to be led by man. Families are to be led by men, and so once you tear down the family and basically. Uh, disempower, diminish uh, the leadership of men, uh, you're going to have the kind of chaos we see in these cities that are plagued where men aren't in leadership positions within their families. You tear down the family, you're really tearing down an entire society. And that's what I see over and over and over again. And it, it cracks me up or, or it, it bothers me that someone like Stacey Abrams, uh, and, and I don't, look, I got a weight problem, I don't have kids, yeah. but I, I don't get how this woman, her political platform is based around abortion, and I'm like, are you having sex? Or, 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 does this involve you in any way? I mean, what do we do? And I'm not trying to be, but, you know, if you listen to any of the uh, what people know about her. At best, she's scissoring uh, with some white woman. That, that's what they say. She's yeah. not having any kind of sex that leads to a child. But, yeah. but abortion is her fundamental issue. It just doesn't make sense, uh, you know. There's a lot of issues I'll lay on the line for, uh, but, but one that doesn't concern me, as, as I just don't think pregnancy concerns her, 
why, why is she so loud on this issue? It really drives me crazy. Well, I think it's, I think it's a simple answer. I mean, the, the, the strategy of communists or the, the strategy of the communist revolutionary spirit is always to go after the clear, the clearest distinctual lines between people in a society and use that to, to stoke chaos and, and dissent. And, um, and here in America, it, the, the easy line to go after is woman versus man. Why? Because the woman versus man dynamic is, is an age old dynamic. I mean, it's as old as time itself. Um, and, and in that, in that vein, the rejection of God from women is as old as time itself, uh, especially if you have any Christian faith. But, um, you know, we, we have a crisis of femininity and a failure of masculinity. And, and the main issue here is that men have kicked the can and, and given way to their own lust and passions and allowed women to dominate either directly or indirectly. Now, many of the feminist movement made the claim that, hey, listen, we're not, which is a lie anyway, because all seven of the people who are in charge of the military industrial complex right now in this country, all of the weapons manufacturers, Lockheed and all the the other, they're all women. All seven of them are women. So technically speaking, women run the world today. They all run the military industrial complex. So unpack that, Uh, unpack that a little bit more. You, You that's an idea I haven't heard. Explain that. Okay, well, the claim is that men run the world. Well, you can make the argument that America's military industrial complex runs the world. You could at the behest of or in the security of the international banking cartel. Okay, so those two are in cahoots and they're they're moving the chips all around the board from here to Beijing. And that that is the case. But in America, there are defense manufacturers. There are defense contractors like Lockheed Martin who are the, the, the stockholders, you could say, of the military industrial complex. And in the key positions in all of those countries, the CEOs are women. Right now in America, the, the women are leading the, the, the military industrial complex. They, they're running it. Now, you could argue how long that's been the case or why it's become the case, whether it's equity policies or whatnot. But the point is, they are in the position. So to go back to my, 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 my line is that, um, you know, whether directly or indirectly, there has been this tension and this subversion of the natural order from the crisis of femininity that men have aided and abetted in. This is how women were able to do this in the first. This is how the anti-family court became the anti-family court is because men, men who were often guided by their, their own, you know, uh, you know, self-loathing and self-doubt and, and lack of confidence, let's say beta males, let's just beat around, not beat around the bush. The beta males went up next to the, 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 the rejection of rebel, rebellious female and said, hey, you know, our interests are aligned. <laughs> what, what do we need him for? What do we need this guy dominating the field for? You know, let's let's make it more equal for everybody. Let's make it more equal for everybody. And in, in, in doing so, I'm actually going to put you at the head of it because, you know, I'm at the altar of your uh, of your vagina. And so, you know, and and that is the crisis of femininity is that woman, because she was given um, the gift of creation, the ability to create human life, which is very, very divine and godlike. Many women think they are God. They think and and in their world, they are God. They have become God. Uh, And that's a common, common spiritual existential issue uh, that that the crisis of femininity breeds. So, yeah, why wouldn't they? They listen, I can make I'm the one who has to hold carry the baby. I'm the one who who has to nurture and, and deliver the baby. I'm the one creating a life, so I get to say. 
Royce, uh, you've done it again. I'll be thinking about this for the next week, month or two. So Lockheed and these other companies directly tied to the military industrial complex, mm-hmm. the most part, their CEOs are all women. Yep, there's seven of them. All seven of them have women in the key positions, either their CEO or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever the top position is. There's seven women in charge of our military industrial complex. And it's not by accident. See here. And here's what I meant by the loss of sanctity of life. It's not by accident that the inertia in a, in a current geopolitical conflict proxy war with Ukraine that has nuclear implications would tilt towards a beta male and feminist response that says, why not kill 100,000, 200,000, a million people in an instant? Why? Because they don't believe in God. And if you don't believe in God, you don't understand that the time we're given here on this planet gives us the ability to repent before God and prove ourselves worthy of, of heaven and eternal life. So there is a significant difference between a seven-year prolonged ground war and killing 400,000 people in an instant in Nagasaki or Hiroshima, you know, in Nagasaki, Hiroshima. There is a difference in that because when you die in an instant, it precludes the possibility of repentance. And the more people you kill in an instant, the more people you preclude from that. I mean, it's the ultimate, it's the ultimate Satanism. Thank you, Royce. Got it. You put a lot on my mind, as always. Uh, great job. Get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Uh, we'll hear from Virgil Walker. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, Time to roll out to Atlanta and to bring in Virgil Walker from G3 Ministries. Uh, Virgil just finished up a conversation with uh, Royce White about Democrats and the whole abortion issue and wanted to get a pastoral take on my contention that this abortion issue and how it defines the Democrat Party and basically worshipers of the Democrat Party, that if your fundamental worldview is that life doesn't have value inside the womb, I don't think we should be shocked that that mindset creates a society, a culture, cities that are run by Democrats, uh, the voting demographic that most passionately supports Democrats, doesn't seem to know how to value life outside the womb. I don't think that's a coincidence. No, it's Jason, it's not a coincidence. Um, you know, if, if you just simply look at what abortion actually is from a, from a theological standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, uh, it's no more than child sacrifice. We watched and witnessed in scripture uh, civilizations that would kill their young, they would sacrifice their babies to, to, to Baal and worship. And God time and time again said that those nations would be cursed uh, as a result of their willingness to, 
to bow the knee in this kind of kind of way. This this and really in, in our in our day and time, what we're talking about is the willingness to sacrifice children on the altar of one's own convenience, right? It's the ultimate in irresponsibility. Uh, it, it is it is the ultimate and 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 selfless narcissism. Uh, I mean, it's selfish narcissism. It, it, it's un, it's unbelievable. It's unimaginable. And and the Democratic Party. I mean, this goes back to '72 before um, Roe v. Wade was actually in place. You had uh, Joe Biden, uh, who'd made statements like, you know, abortion, knowing that it was coming up through the through the Roe v. Wade decision, uh, who said, hey, abortion is undesirable. Uh, we went from undesirable and to to the '80s to safe, legal, and rare. Uh, then to the 90s as a, a woman's right to choose. And, and then now they're, they're asking not only for, not only believing that it's a quote unquote constitutional right, but that this is something that should be codified into law. Uh, when you look at, I'll say this briefly, when you look at what the Bible has to say about governments, the, the role of governments, biblically speaking, is to protect us from evil. And, and what we're witnessing time and time again through the Democratic Party, whether, whether it's the policies that they advocate or this particular issue with children in the womb, they're actually programming, codifying evil. They're not protecting us from evil. They're not the guardrails to keep us from evil. They're, they're promoting wickedness. They're promoting uh, uh, that which is evil and, and unright and unjust. Uh, and that's what they're doing with abortion. And they're doing it everywhere. It's the it's it, it's what it's what they're advocating in every way, shape and form. And it's absolutely deplorable. Because you live in Atlanta and uh, Stacey Abrams is running for governor in Georgia, I want to ask you specifically about her. It seems to be abortion. My body, my choice is the focus of her campaign message. It's the reason you should come out and vote for Stacey Abrams. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, you're in Atlanta. Raphael Warnock calls himself a pro-choice pastor. Where, where is the black church across Georgia on the issue of abortion? And if it's not a make or break issue for people that call themselves Christian. Why isn't it? The, the, the black church, unfortunately, not only in Georgia, but, but all across the country. And I don't, I don't say this about everyone, but, but by and large has been, has not only been, been, been feminized. Uh, they, they have actually abdicated any, any resemblance of, of a, of a clear call to biblical morality. Uh, they're they're, they're, to allow Stacey Abrams to enter a church on a Sunday morning and to articulate the ideas that, that she has should cause folks to tremble. I, I, I've written an article uh, about that when, when, I, when I talked about letters to black pastors. These are black pastors who are actually a, 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 the, the, the addition, the, the formation of Margaret Sanger's Negro Project. I mean, that, that's exactly, they, they, they're the extension, they're the modern day extension of Sanger's Negro Project and, and her desire to eradicate uh, human beings who, who look like you and me. Th and they make no bones about that. They, she is in pulpits, in pulpits, talking about murdering children, right? They, they put different language around it. We want to have the right to choose. We want to have a, a, women's, a, a woman's right to, to, to her body, her body, her, her, you know, her autonomy. And the reality is this is the same kind of argumentation 
that, 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 that slave owners had. My slave, my property. I can do what I want to. The slave is not a real person. He's not a real human being. So I can do whatever I desire to do. Here you have the same kind of argumentation relating to uh, babies in the womb. They're not really, they're a clump of cells. They're not fully human. They're not fully developed. So we can do anything we want to with it because it's our body, our choice. They're, they're promoting the, the kinds of ideas, A, that, that slaveholders held and that Margaret Sanger, in her attempt to eradicate, to, to, to create genocide within a population that she deemed uh, not, not desirable, they're advocating the same policies and are welcomed into churches around the country. I don't know how you land on any other idea than these, these churches. I, 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 I won't even give them the dignity of calling them, them churches. Uh, they, they, are, they are temples to Baal worship is what they are. They're temples to Baal worship. They're temples to child sacrifice is exactly what they are. You described initially that, you know, the Bible's clear that child sacrifice, there will be curses on people. My interpretation of that is, because when you use the word curses, and I'm not questioning the Bible and, and and that's the biblical word. But, but I'm wondering if ramifications isn't a word that perhaps, it, I don't wanna say more, because nothing's more impactful than the gospel and what's in the Bible or whatever, but it's really just a ramification of, if, if you adopt a mindset of, you know what, I can kill this baby in a wound, it's inconvenient, blah, blah, blah. Right. The ramifications of that are gonna be your decision-making, the policies you embrace, the way you live your life is going to produce ramifications that lead to an early death, uh, an unfulfilled life, uh, misery, poverty, living in an unsafe environment, living in a world where marriage is rare uh, and your kids are gonna underachieve. There's all these ramifications for adopting this mindset and, and I'm, people just seem to be oblivious to it and think that, uh, and maybe, it's the, maybe I gotta give the Democrats credit because all the ramifications they have said, well, no, that's just racism. It's not the fact that you've adopted a poisonous mindset. Right. It's this white man has done right. something and that, that's why you can't have marriage. It's mass incarceration. It's, it's not your mindset. Right. It, 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 you're, you're spot on. It, I completely agree that, that the idea of abortion is indeed a worldview. And for the Democratic Party, for liberals in general, I mean, and by that I should just say leftists, this is a this is a sacrament like this. is This is this is a part of of the worship that they engage in. This is a religion. This is a religious order. Don't believe me. Try to stop them from this. They they, they will engage in not only civil disobedience, but but uncivil rest. Uh, they'll 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 march in the streets. It'll be all kind of havoc uh, that, that takes place. Yes, the ramifications are are evident in the in, in the simplest of ways. For example, you've got. Um, you know, the statistics say, Guttmacher says that somewhere between 28 and 38 percent of, of babies that are aborted uh, are actually are, are black. Right. And again, people can argue whether or not they believe the numbers or not. These are not my numbers. They're Guttmacher's numbers. And, 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 they, and they're, they're no they're no conservative think tank by any stretch of the imagination. Sixty five million 
children have been aborted. That, that lands you somewhere in the neighborhood of about 20 million children, black children that have died as a result of abortion. There is, there, there, I mean, that, that's a holocaust. That's an absolute holocaust. That, that's that 20 million. That's, that's about the population, the size of New York. About the size of New York, gone. So the, the natural cause to begin with are you don't have generations of young people who are even alive. That, that's a very natural cause. But to the but to the point you make, that idea, that ideology carries with it a worldview that has grave impact on every other facet of life. If you can't get the issue of life right. There's no other issue that you'll get right. You're all screwed up from the very beginning. So let's, I want you to address the other side of the argument or the argument they make is like, oh, okay, you know, conservatives, evangelicals, they're all concerned about life in the womb and they're unconcerned with life after birth. And Obviously, I don't buy it. I, I, I reject that. But they put, oh, well, if you really cared about life, you'd believe in universal health care. If you really cared about life, you'd have daycare and women could take off as much time from work as possible and you'd raise minimum wage, blah, blah, blah. What do you, and again, my contention is like, hey, the people that don't respect life in the womb, don't, you'll never convince me that they got the best advice for me after I'm born. They didn't really care whether I was born, but now that I am, they got the best. They got the best plan. I'm not buying it. But right. what, what's your response to that? Evangelicals, conservatives, they don't support life after birth. Yeah. So let's 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 carry that all the way out. Since they don't support life after birth, the answer is kill them in the womb. That that's the answer, right? Stacey Abrams. Since inflation is a problem kill the baby in the womb and that won't be a problem anymore. I mean, <laughs> that, that is the most asinine decision. Forget about fixing, uh, fixing interest rates, fixing uh, inflation. Forget about policies that help there. Just kill the baby in the womb and they'll, ne- they'll never have to live to, en- to engage in those kinds of problems to begin with. That's always the answer. Add to that the idea that, that government, uh, government assistance is the answer. We've skipped over a few things. And the first two things that we've skipped over is the mother and the father of the two people that made a decision to lay down and have the child to begin with when they when they had sex. That's that's the first part of the problem. Add to that a family, an extended family who should surround these young people if they are indeed young who are having this child. We've, we've ignored all we, we've ignored everything. We've, we've, we've removed the mom. We've removed the dad. We've removed extended family. We've removed the church family. We've removed we've removed prayer. We've removed God. Why? Because the only solution that has to be found is a government solution. And if that's not advocated, if a government solution, health care or the like is not the is not the answer. Well, then the best thing that we could do is kill the baby in the womb. Virgil. Thank you so much. Great job Thanks, as always. Man. Good to Thank see you. Sir. Uh, I like the bow tie and sweater combination, Virgil. That's good. Uh, anyway, I hear tomorrow. That means we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like.
freedom Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom I want freedom No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seed When we all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be, I just